0: Thank you for joining us at the UNGBCM podcast. We were unable to record the beginning of Pastor T's message. So instead, we joined Pastor T as he talks about a friend in college named Fred. He to thinking and, and asked Fred the same question and Fred kind of gave a general answer. But here's what changed. About a few months after we, I was asked that question on campus, Fred went home for the Christmas holidays and Fred got shot in his stomach and he bled to death right there in the club. Fred even claimed to be a Christian. But here's the funny part. When we got back, we didn't know he had died until we looked it up on the Internet. And I can remember going up to his room because his roommate's name was Larry Bray, and he was sitting on his bed holding his head. And I seen everything in the room was just like Fred left it. His shoes was, uh, was under the bed. He had the girl's phone numbers uh, on the table. He had the chains. He had closets full of, I don't even know how he got all that stuff. But the dude was stacked in college, drove a nice car, and Fred's stuff was just like he left it. About two weeks after uh, Fred had got killed, it was, all, it was almost like nobody even mentioned Fred's name again. Like, and even Larry Bray, about a couple of weeks after Fred died, was walking across the campus with his chain and his sweater on. I was like, he's gone. Nobody mentioned his name again. Uh, campus kept going on. People kept going to parties. We kept going to class, and Fred was dead. And the guy that asked me that question, if I was to die today and still before God, He says, you claim to be a believer? He says, man, there's people on your campus dying and you ain't doing anything about it. And I still didn't take it serious until one of my teammates had a head on collision. Then another one of my teammates, he had an accident driving back home drunk from a party and broke his neck and died two hours later in the hospital. Now this is where I got it. They looked at me as kind of like the chaplain on the basketball team even though I wasn't serious. And they said, T, you give the speech at the funeral. And this is where it hit me at. I cannot live my life for temporary purposes. Because those guys got up the same way I got up out of that dorm room. They got up with the same dreams, same aspirations I had, and now they're facing eternity. No more other chance. Everything they was getting a degree in, every dream they had, all the kids they wanted to have, it was shut down at that moment because they were standing before God in judgment. And at that moment, I realized I am living my life for things that's going to make great material for a bonfire. So the question is, for you, I, I know you guys are getting degrees. You got up the same way Fred did. And you're thinking like you have your whole life ahead of you. That's why you're getting your degree. You're trying to figure out what you want to do with your life, and some of you guys have it figured out. So here's, here's a couple things. What if you're in eternity tomorrow? Did you know 150,000 people die every single 24 hours? That's, 100, that's almost two people per second. And most people spend most of their time thinking about whether they're going to spend a lot less of their time. And they spend little to no time thinking about whether they're going to spend the majority of their time in eternity. Your life, the Bible says your life is like a vapor. Like you, appear for a second, I was doing this with my kids. God like was trying to explain to them how fleeting eternity is. And I took a spray bottle and I said, they said, oh, daddy, it just disappeared. I said, baby, that's your life. <laughs> right? James says your life is like a vapor. Guys, you don't have a lot of time to do what God has called you to do. And so you better get on it because you and I are going to have to give an account for this little life he allows you to live. But here's the kicker. Do you know the average person spends 33 years in the bed sleeping and seven years getting to sleep? Just getting to sleep seven years. Oh, I'm sorry, 26 years in the bed sleeping and then seven years just getting to sleep. You know, the average person wastes Five to eight years of their life just not doing anything. (laughs) It says people spend eight years in in entertainment. Here's what Jim Elliott said. He says he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. So here's here's the catch. If you come to school, if you call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, and maybe some of you guys are not. Some of, you, some of you guys are just kind of trying to figure this thing out. But if you come to school just to get a degree, and you get a degree, and you have not invested your life or begin to invest your life for eternity, you have, you have wasted your, your college career. When I was on that basketball team, I realized my, 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 it switched. Yeah, I wanted to keep my scholarship and maintain my GPA, but my, my job was to be an influence for the kingdom. My job was to influence my teammates. If I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, I had I one job. See, whatever your calling is as a nurse or doctor or teacher or trash man, work at the gas station, whatever your calling is, it's, it's, that's a calling. Everybody, God gives people different callings. But did you know we all have the same mission? One, different callings, but one mission. You know what that mission is? You got two missions. One is to to know God and to make him known. If you invest your life in knowing God and making God known, no matter what you do, then your life won't be wasted. Because, guys, the reality is. All of our your funeral is coming soon. Your funeral is coming soon, whether that be tomorrow or whether that be 100 years from now, your funeral is coming soon. And you don't want to look up one day in eternity and find out that you just wasted your life. Because, see, everybody got a, a calling and a mission. So the mission is the Great Commission. So what people do is they, they invest themselves all in their calling. But they, they reject the mission. So what happens is God says, I gave you a mission, but you're going to put your calling before the mission. So you know what I'll do to your calling? I'll frustrate your calling. I'll make you miserable in your calling. That's why, that's why the majority, a lot of winners, 70% of a lot of winners are dead within three to five years are in prison or worse off. See, we, we, we think that the, the American dream is what we're seeking. If I just get that, I'll be happy. But see, the Bible says God, will, he'll frustrate your calling if, if you're not about the mission. See, but if you look, if your mission if your calling is just your disguise to go in for the mission, then God will bless the calling. So that you can continue to what? The mission. Continue the mission. So it's seven things that I think you need to know. If you're going to invest your, if you're going to serve well. It's seven things I think in this passage that you need to know. That you can invest yourself in so that you won't, you won't, you won't waste your life. So, if you got your Bibles, Luke 5, 1 through 11, it's gonna, I'm going to give you the DNA of a fruitful believer. I'm going to try to rush through these, but, but really make my point as clear as I can. So, what I don't want you guys doing is DUIing life. Know that, you know what a DUI is? It's driving under the influence of what? The alcohol? See, but most people are driving under the influence of three things. Power, possession, and pleasure. They're driving under the influence of the worldly desires that keeps you from understanding God's mission. Until one day we're standing in judgment and are like, how did I get here so fast? I didn't even finish. Right? So let me just read. Let me read Luke chapter 5, 11 and you're going to see Jesus calls like the disciples who just being called at this time. But they were not really all in yet. Right. They had just kind of got in. They were trying to figure out if I know you said you God in, in the human flesh, but I'm kind of having a hard time with it because everybody else think you crazy. Everybody else think you're lying. But, you know, you did some pretty cool stuff to prove that you are God. I'm just trying to figure it out like miracles and stuff like nobody's ever done that kind of stuff at, at call like Jesus has. Like demons coming out everywhere. People was like, okay, this man is different, but I'm not sure you're God. So they, was, they would follow Jesus by the day and they would fish at night. And, 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 and at this moment, the disciples was kind of one foot in and one foot out, like, a, a lot of, like I was in college, like some of you guys. You got, you got too much Jesus in you to completely live for the world. And you got too much of the world in you to completely live for Jesus. So this is where they were, but I want you to see what happened at the end of the story to, to like shake them from they're, they was all about their calling, and now they, they, they forsake their calling and went on a mission. All right, let's see. On one occasion, Luke chapter 5, 1 through 11, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the, the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake. This is Jesus. And, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their net. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and talked to people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your net for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toured all night long and we took nothing, but, but at your word, I'll let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed such a large number of fish that the nets were breaking and they signaled to their partners and the other boats to come and help them. And, they were, and that when they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For, he, he, for he, he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John and sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, we will catch man. And when they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything to follow him. What changed? They went from being fishermen, this is their livelihood, this is how they made their money, and all of a sudden they went from completely gift, abandoning their calling and went on full time for mission. Now, here's the deal everybody don't have a full time calling. I was a PE coach, I was, I was PE and teaching right in the middle of PE 12, 12 years ago. Yep, 12 years ago, and God calls me into full time ministry right in the middle of a PE class. Some people, God uses it as a nurse and for the for, the, for, for a long period of time, they're using that, that disguise as a nurse to bring people into the kingdom and to be a light in a in dark world. Some people working at the gas station, man, they're they, they, they using that calling, right? Some people working as firefighters. Some people are stay-at-home moms, and they're using that energy to pour into their kids so they can send out as, as, as arrows. So everybody's not called a full-time ministry, but everybody is called to the mission. Does that make sense? So, Here's the first thing you see if you're going to be effective, effective servant for the Lord. The first thing you have to understand is that you have to understand that. You can't just be a hearer of God's word and not a doer. All right. You see this in the first beginning. The Bible says that Jesus called like he, he as he gathered people like think about this man. He was the best in it like. His speaking was unbelievable. Like, he engaged people, and people can listen to him for hours. He was the best storyteller. He wasn't an entertainer, but he was very entertaining. And he gave free healings, and he gave free pizza, (laughs) free food, all right? And so, if you think about it, he gathered these large crowds of people. And the Bible says at one point in other Gospels, they were stepping on each other just to hear him. But see, the only thing about it, they were just coming to hear God. They were coming to hear Jesus. They were just listening. So they were gathering large numbers, but they weren't intending to actually obey God unless it was convenient. Right? You can't just be a hearer of the word and not obey it because the Bible says it's just like a man that looks in the mirror and he forgives what he looks like. See, the mirror keeps you seeing what you look like so you can continue to, your calling, so you can continue to serve. Let me give you an illustration. So, um, I want. You, well, let me let me read a uh, scripture real quick. Malachi chapter two, one, two, one and two. It says it talks about and now if, if you follow along, Malachi chapter two one and two. I love what it says because uh, I'm sorry. Let me let me back up. Let me back up. Let me go to First Peter chapter two. First Peter chapter two two. Yeah, First Peter chapter two, starting verse. It says, uh, here's what it says, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, like newborn infants, it says, long for the pure spiritual milk. What is a pure spiritual milk? Anybody know? It's the Word, right? What you guys have in your laps. It says, long for that. Long for the pure spiritual milk, so that by you may grow up in your salvation. So why should we long for the pure spiritual milk of the Word? So we can What? So we can go It says, indeed, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. So let's just say your Bible became a living human being. Who would it represent? Jesus, because in John 14, 1 and 14, it says Jesus became the word. He was a living word and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Jesus was actually God in the flesh. And now we have his living word. So if you don't have a relationship with his word, can you really say you have a relationship with Jesus? A lot of people say, I know Jesus. I'm in a relationship with Jesus. I said, okay, cool. How much time you spend reading his word? Um, I, I didn't read it this week. As a matter of fact, I don't even know when the, when the last time I read it. Like, really? You got a relationship with Jesus, but you don't have a relationship with his word? See, I, here's what I think. You know, the average, here's, you know the average college student spends only three minutes in the word And they claim to have a relationship with Jesus. So when that that passage says, desire to pure milk of the word, you know, my my wife, we had five, five my wife was pregnant five total times. We had our first baby and my wife miscarried the second. And then we had the second baby named John and she miscarried the next one and then we had Titus. Three living babies, two didn't make it. Now, the three that lived, at night, when they wanted food, you think they respected the, t- you know, when I had to go to work in the morning? No. I ain't had no sleep. My wife ain't had no, you think they cared? Selfish. <laughs> Selfish. They cried. You know why? You know they were crying. What were they crying for? The milk. Now, you know my other two babies that didn't make it in the womb? They, they never cried a lick. You know why they didn't cry? because they weren't alive. You know why people that claim to be followers of Jesus Christ don't crave God's word? Maybe you're not alive. Maybe you're spiritually dead and you've been thinking you're alive. That's why you don't really desire it. So let me give you three words you need. One, if you're really going to start to crave God's word, first of all, you have to be inside the kingdom. But let me just tell you three words you need, because I was like that. When I was a college student. Man, the word was just black words on a white page. I didn't want to spend time. I, I didn't feel like reading it. It's, it's boring. Just quite a cut. It. The Bible is boring. Until you start to spend time with the Savior. So three words, you need, you need to, to discipline yourself to spend time, like force feed yourself the word. Discipline. If you would discipline yourself, you'll start to create this. The next word is desire. And then all of a sudden, it's going to be a delight. You're going to actually go, wow. Right? I just, I never got to know him. See, if you get to know the Savior, think about it. If porn is good, if porn is good, apart from the Savior, smoking weed or eating a nice piece of chicken or all these other stuff that the creator made, he must be better. He must be better. Right? So what we do is we take, like, sexual morality, and it's good. God created sex to be good, but we take it and distort it. And it's still good, it's it's good, right? But it's not, it's not, it's not, it'll kill you in the end. But if he created these things, he must be better. So I say, you know what? I had to discipline myself because the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, all discipline seems painful, but later on it produces a piece of fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. So if you don't discipline yourself, you'll never desire God's and you'll never get to the point where you delight. You have to discipline yourself. You have to force feed yourself the word. And if you do, I'm telling you, you'll see what I'm talking about. Right? So you have to be a, not only a hear of the word, but a doer of the word. And I spent too much time on it. Next thing, if you're going to, if you're going to, if you're going to really be a servant of God, if you're going to let your life count for something, you have to use your possessions for the glory of God. Like God is giving you time, talents, trust, treasure, temple. He giving you all those things. See, what did Jesus use from Peter? He uses what? His boat. He got into the boat and he preached the gospel and he told him to pull out from the lake. So if you're going to use your earthly possessions, you have to use your earthly possessions for the glory of God. See, what people do, if you look at Deuteronomy, let me, go to Deuteronomy real quick if you can pull it up. Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11. See, because God did not bless you to increase your standard of living. He blessed you to increase your standard of giving. You see the difference? But see, what God does, see, God, he is such a good God that he gives us stuff and blesses us with, bless, blesses us with money, energy, smarts. And what we do is, we do what Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11 says. But I'm going to keep reading here. It basically says, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 11, here's what, do, what we do. We take God's goodness and we corrupt ourselves with it. This is what the Israelites did. He says, take care lest least you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and statutes, which I command you today. Least when you have eaten and are full and build what? Them mansions, them nice houses and lived in them. And when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold multiplies, then your heart will be lifted up. You'll forget about the Lord your God who has brought you out of the land of Egypt and slavery, and he has led you through the great and terrifying wilderness and fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty grounds, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who led you through the wilderness with manner. And your fathers did not know that he may humble and test you to do you good in the end. Beware, at least you say in your heart, what? That was my power. It's my power. The might of my hands has got me this wealth. You shall remember it is the Lord your God who gives you the power to get wealth, that he may confirm his covenant he swore to your, that he swore to your forefathers. If you forget the Lord your God and go after other idols and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you will do what? Surely perish like all the other nations. Guys, I can't believe when I got to... Look, I'm from the hood, okay? My, my house was so dirty, I had to clean my feet before I went outside. <laughs> when I can't... When, I can't believe that I'm pastoring where I'm at because when I got there... I came from the hood. And I'm so broken somebody robbed me to just be practicing. <laughs> and here I am. And you know who I'm who knows what type of people I'm counseling? Like Andy, Andy of for. We counsel millionaires. They're coming to me. <laughs> Why are you coming to me? That you would think that people that are millionaires they wouldn't have any problems, but they're coming to me for the answer. Because they understand that their money has corrupted them, if you allow it. Now, this ain't no problem to have money. It's just the fact that you feel like you don't need God no more. That's why the rich young ruler comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, he was rich. He says, how do I get into heaven? And Jesus says, well, I'll give you a good person test. Gave him a good person test. And the guy says, I don't want to follow you. And he walked away. See, when you got a lot of wealth and you're handsome and all, you have too many options Sometimes. Sometimes God has to come and he has to take away your options. So if you're depressed right now, if, if you're, you didn't come from a, a nice family background, if you feel like you don't ain't meeting the top, if you feel like, you know, you just don't meet the standard, and you kind of like an outcast, you're the perfect candidate for God to save and use. Because people that have too many options, they don't choose God most of the time. So thank God. I thank God I came from a hood because my only option was Jesus or death. That's the only option I had. So thank God I didn't grow up like some of y'all. I'm trying to be. You understand what I'm saying? I only have one option, this option is option of Jesus. And really, you don't really, even if you're rich, you don't have, you only got two options. You, you can run towards your, your possessions, and your possessions will, will end you straight in hell if you feel like that's, you don't need Jesus. Or you can run towards Christ. All right? All right, let's go to the second one. What time? Woo! All right. The other thing you need in order for you to be an effective, use your life for the usefulness, for the kingdom, is to you need to obey God when it don't really make sense. You remember what Peter said? Peter said, I've been fishing all night long. I, look, Jesus, you're, you're an extraordinary man, but you're not a fisherman. <laughs> he didn't know the man made the water. <laughs> he do not know the man made the fish, directed the fish. See, so Peter, when Jesus told him to do something, it didn't make sense. But you know what Peter sarcastically said? But, okay, at your word. I'm going to let down the net. And when he did, what happened? Other people got blessed. He was, he was shocked. I obeyed God sarcastically, and he still showed up. He still showed up. See, guys, it's like, like, it, it was a room, like, you know, let's just say you t- take these lights out, you know, the flip of the switch. And, uh, you know, let's just say they, they put in sensor lights to kind of save money. So as long as you're in the dark room and has sensor lights, you can yell at that light all day long. Hey, hey! But until you start moving, those lights ain't coming on. See, sometimes people wait to, to figure out, okay, what does God want me to do before I obey? But see, he's just like the sensor lights. He's giving you enough to trust him, but you got to start stepping before you see the light. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of you guys are disobedient because you're waiting to see all the facts. You ready, if you ready for it to make sense? You ready to budget it to make sure that I'm, I can calculate it right? No, no, no. As long as you stay in the boat, so to speak, and say, God, show me first. Now, God said, I already showed you enough. It's just like when I, start, when I, when I uh, started dating my wife. I told my wife, I said, uh, man, she was fine, man. She's beautiful. She's still fine. She's fine out. And it was... <laughs> Woo! Man. But when I was dating my wife, I spent enough time with her, right, to start figuring out like, like you know what, I, I spent enough time with her to say, you know, I can trust you to commit to, to knowing you for the rest of my life. See, but it wasn't until I committed in marriage and say, I'm going to commit to knowing you, now I know so much about her that I would have never known if I would have stayed in the dating phase. See, some of you guys are in the dating phase with Jesus. You're not, you ain't fully committed. And, and you're trying to figure this thing out. You're like, God... Show me a little more. And God says, No, I already died on the cross and it's proof, historical proof. I don't, I don't need to show you no more. Commit, and then you'll know more about me than you ever know. Until you stay, if you keep just kind of like, you mm, you'll never know God. As a matter of fact, there are so many, you know, hell is filled with two types of people. Two types of people. One is they filled with procrastinators. I was going I would have I was gonna do it. And the other one is really religious people. They actually think that, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going I'm oh, to obey God and go my way. I'm going I'm I'm to just try to be a good person and get into heaven. So until you obey God, you're not going to understand what I'm talking about. You got to get on one side. You got to stop playing the field, right? Some of y'all in the middle, you have not fully committed. When you jump on one side, not by perfection, but direction, you'll know God more than you ever know. But he's not going to cast his pearl before swine. You're not gonna really know Bam. He's not gonna show you more, much more than he already have. What number is that? Woo! <laughs> all right, I'm, all right. Now, here's the next thing you see in this passage. It says when, uh, when it, when he enclosed a large number of fish. It says when Peter got to the, the shore. Here's what he said. This is what he said. Y'all notice when Peter's reaction, when he recognized that he wasn't just dealing with a dude that happened to have extraordinary gifts and power, he's actually dealing with God. You know, the first thing he realized? What did he say? What did Peter say? Get away from me. This dude can read my thoughts. How scary is that to, to know that this man was just not a. Look, if you're, to, if you're trying to decide whether Jesus is God, let me just make it clear for you. You only got three options. <laughs> You only got three options. Either Jesus was crazy because he said he was God. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody gets to the father except through me. Either this dude was crazy or he was a liar to say what he said. Or he was really Lord. There's only three options. I was talking to a guy the other day and he says, I don't think that Jesus was God. I just think he was a really good person. Really? But he said he was God. But I still think he was a good friend. No, he was the biggest deceiver that ever lived. You know how many people he's led astray? If he was, he said he's God, and he's just, he's not a good man. He's the worst man that ever lived. If the resurrection, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we all in trouble. Because who, what God would do that for you? What God would step down out of the glories of heaven and come and die? See, what Peter recognized was he was dealing with God. So one of the ways when you, I was sharing the gospel with some people today on campus. It was one particular young man. I'm seeing if he's here. I'm not going to embarrass him. But I, 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 I expose God to him. And here's how you expose God to people. When you're sharing the gospel with people, if you'll use the commandments, it'll show, it'll show people the holiness of God. Let me give you an example. Just give you a quick example. So right now, if you think about God himself, I ask people, how are you going to get to heaven? And most people say what? I'm a good person. Okay. I think you are. If you compare yourself from man to man, you can always find somebody you better than. But let me compare you to God. Because I, I just gave him the good person test. Like the Bible is like a mirror to the soul. You know what a mirror does? It reveals your outside where the commandments reveals your what? Your inside. So let me give you a simple test. This is what Peter discovered. How many lies have you told in your life? kajillion? What what do you call somebody to tell lies? A liar, so you're what? Have you ever stolen something? Have you stolen something? Even if you cheated on a test and stole answers, what do you consider to be? No, a lying thief. (laughs) Jesus said if you look at someone lustfully, you commit adultery in your heart. Just looking at someone with lust. Like, Sex is supposed to be in marriage, and we take it outside of marriage by, you know, I used to think, man, you know, I ain't having sex with nobody in college, but I sure, a lot, I sure watched a lot of porn, and I thought I was a better person than my basketball team sleeping with women every day, or at least on the weekends. But I was just as guilty. See, if I just take three of those commandments, all of us are guilty. <laughs> and do you really think that you're going to be good enough to stand before God, knowing that you sin like you drink water? Like, you can't be a good enough person to get in. It'll be like a man st- st- jumping out of a plane attempting to flap his arms to save his life. If I told you to flap your arms to save your life, that's, that's good advice, but that's not good news. <laughs> right? The good news is Jesus paid the fine. Jesus is the parachute. If you would rely on the mercy of the parachute, the, mer- the parachute takes you eight miles to the ground instead of 150 miles to the ground. Me telling you to flap your arms is just good advice. Me telling you that Jesus paid the price and just come into a relationship with him, that's good news. See the difference? So when you expose people to the gospel, you got to show them that they're sin by bringing out the commandments. Right? That's what Peter discovered. And he fell down on his knees and said, get away from me, for I'm a sinful man. But what did Jesus say to him next? You see what Jesus said to him next? I love what Jesus said. I know you deserve hell. I know you deserve to be separated from me, but don't be afraid. <laughs> God says don't be afraid. Why? It's because if you come and follow me, you'll be safe for all eternity. Like right now. Like don't wait. Like follow him right now, you're safe right now. The eternity begins now. It don't begin when you die. It begins like right now. You're safe. It's like when I remember like I, when I was, uh, you know, I'm scared of heights. I don't like. I don't like reaching a box of cereal for my kids in the cabin. My dad, daddy, can't get that box of cereal. I'll, I'll boost you up, but I ain't. I ain't getting up there. But I, I was on this 40-foot ropes course, right? And 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 uh, they they give you three three bands to strap on your back. And I'm nervous. I'm, am <laughs> so black. I was sweating soy sauce. <laughs> and you know how you so nervous and tense. My muscles are so tense, I didn't want, I was 40, 60 feet in the air. Three bands holds 1,000 pounds. I had no chance of falling off the ropes. But you know what? Halfway, I was going with a partner. Guess who would fall off the ropes? Your boy, your boy fall off the ropes. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm, I cannot believe I did this. I'm about to die. But you know what happened? The ropes catch me. I said, I'm dangling there. I said, they work. They work. And I got on the ropes course, and guess what? I stopped sweating that soy sauce. And I actually enjoyed the rest of my times on the ropes course. You know why? Because I knew if I fell, the ropes are going to catch me. See, some of you guys do not sure where you're going to spend eternity. You don't even, maybe you don't think God even exists. But when you put your faith in Jesus, Jesus takes away your fear. And no matter at what point did you die, tomorrow or 100 years from now, You're safe and you can actually enjoy the rest of your life and serve him freely without being worried about where you spend eternity. He is the ropes. He's safe. See what I'm saying? That's why Jesus said to Peter, don't be afraid. And the next thing he says, let me see, what did he say? He says, from now on, I'm going to make you a what? I'm changing your career. I want you to go fish for man. I want you to go fish for man. So so if you'll follow Jesus Christ, you, have, you really have your, your primary purpose of existing while you have breath in your body is to be a fisher of man. Did you know that? You know the only thing you're not going to be able to do when you get to heaven is what? Fish for man. That's the only thing you won't be able to do. If God wants you to have perfect fellowship, it would took you to heaven when you, when you got saved. If he wanted you to have a perfect sermon, he'd have took you to heaven so you hear all the perfect sermons. If he wanted you to experience great worship, which this worship was great tonight, but if he wanted you to have great worship, he would have took you to heaven so you can hear all the angels sing. So he left you here for one reason. And if you're not using your life so that people may know Jesus, you are forfeiting your biblical right to exist. It's like a, a doctor that went to school and he got his degree, and he sits in the cafeteria all day. He should be fired. Well, God has called us to reach people. He's called your life. I love when I came in here, and I seen those ladies. They said, hey, you can sit with me. Man, I seen you guys on campus today. Man, y'all was telling people and pleading with people to follow Jesus, and hey, what's the most important question? I said, man, this, is, this, this BCM is so different. Oh, that's my, that's my lawn. I'm gonna close with this. This BCM is so different. I was like, man, this, this, you are very intentional. Y'all, y'all see people. Y'all, I mean, one lady came in here. She was nervous and she said, she said, sit with me. And I was like, wow. I said, brother Andy, you see this? I mean, CJ and all them out there sharing the gospel. I'm like, they get it. They get it. They're not going to waste their life. See, some of you guys that even at the sound of my voice, thousand people gather and follow Jesus here. They see Jesus. And what they end up doing is they gather and they hear and they eat and they enjoy. But when it comes to suffering for Jesus, they say, man, I'm not signing up for all of that. Did you know all of the disciples? So you sign up for two things when you follow Jesus. So I'm going to tell you, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to sign up for two things. You're going to sign up for suffering and service. But you know what? You're going to suffer anyway. If you don't follow Jesus, guess what? You're going to suffer. Sin is like taking out a loan. It's fun for a moment, but you've got to pay interest in the end. Following Jesus is like an investment. You don't feel good investing the money, but later on, you're going to suffer anyway. And guess what? You're going to serve something. you going to serve your flesh or you going to serve uh, and, and, and get retirement on a 401k and die for that. You're going to suffer and you're going to serve something. You might as well suffer for the one who put his life on the line, who died for you. So you know how God, you know how I know God loves you. You know, how much, like think about the most valuable thing you own right now. How much money did you spend on it? You know why you spent your money on it? Because it was valuable to you. It was valuable. Do you know why Jesus died for you? Because you're valuable. And the only way you mean something in life, the only way you're not going to waste your life is you put your faith in Jesus. And it starts with recognizing that you're like Peter. I can't do it. Like, I get away from me for I'm a sinful man. He says, don't be afraid. For I'm, I got another plan for you. If you give it your life to follow me, I'll make you a fisherman. And I'll change your life. Or, or you can be like Fred. He claimed to be a Christian, but, he, but I'm telling you, no evidence in his life showed it. And if, if, if Fred said he was a believer, but I'm telling you, no evidence showed it, he's in hell right now. Thank God that he gave me another chance, and maybe he's giving you another chance. So if you're here tonight and you say, God, I recognize what you did on the cross. I'm like Peter. I recognize in who you are. And I say, God, I really want a relationship, not just a religion. I can't be a good person. I can't be good enough to, to make it right with you. That's why you sent Jesus. The Bible says God will give you, he'll transfer the innocence of Christ to your account. And on the day of judgment, he'll see you as if you've never sinned because of what Jesus did. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you, and I thank you so much for this time we had today. And God, I, I truly know that there are some people here, um, some some person here today, and they walked in here, and they was trying to figure you out. And I thank you for bringing them, Lord Jesus. But God, just like you brought them, I pray that they wouldn't leave the same. God, that they would talk to somebody, maybe talk to me or Brother Andy or CJ or some of the leadership team here, Lord Jesus. They would talk about their soul. God, I know that some of them feel depressed and lonely and, and, and separated, and Lord Jesus, you came to give them a new life, And I pray that they will lay themselves down at your feet and they'll be willing to follow you. And I pray that those believers that's kind of playing the mid-world, they are believers, but they've been playing the midfield. They they got too much Jesus to get into you. They got too much of the world to get into Jesus and too much of Jesus to get into the world. Father, I pray that they'll get on one side and they'll commit to, to using their life for your glory. So I pray that you'll do your work. pray these things in the name of your son. Amen. All right. Thank you, guys.